0: The change process or change management looks at the process through which to engage all key stakeholders before and during a major change in the organization. How do you move an organization, its culture and its people from A to B? The transition from a nonprofit organization to social enterprise requires an intentional effort on the part of an organization's leadership, which trickles down and cuts across different branches. How is it possible to encourage a specific culture across an organization? Today, we find out more about leading a change process. So I am with Bame Modungwa, who works in the space of innovative finance at the Bertha Center. You got together with Hub Manager at the Social Enterprise Academy, Rachel Milson, as well as Zoe Mann, who's the Community Coordinator at Ikamva Youth, to unpack this a little bit further. Before we get into their experiences, how are we defining change in this context?
1: Thanks, Bosch. Change can be defined as all the external things that are happening around us. Mm. This could be a new boss, a new company site, having to interact with a new team, a new policy for the organization or a new strategy that the business plans to take forward. Organizations that find themselves going through this change process must be cognizant of of all these new things that are taking place Mm -hmm. in order to manage the change well. So change essentially sees an organization through different phases. So from an ending phase, when you're having to deal with the loss or the realization that something indeed is coming to an end, Going through a neutral phase where you're trying to transition and trying to figure out, okay, what are the next steps? How do we move forward? And finally, entering the beginnings phase, which is usually the happy times, everybody's on board, and you're really looking to new horizons. And that is change in a nutshell.
0: So you definitely need a plan and a strategy for all of this. What is key for a
1: successful change process to take place? The session will delve a little bit deeper into this and Rachel will outline sort of the formal sense of things. Mm-hmm. Um, and she gives what we call the four P's. So an organization going through change must consider what is the purpose behind the change. They must think about painting a clear picture for everybody involved. There must be a plan laid out for them to enact And finally, they must ensure that each person that is involved in the change process is aware of what role that they play. And that's the last P. What part do I play?
0: I feel like there should be five P's. There should be a party at the end.
2: (laughs) That would be great. Let's add a a fifth P.
0: (laughs) So let's have a listen to what you talked about
2: you know one of the questions that we need to ask ourselves is really why is the change from being in, in this context we're talking about change from being a, a donor funded non nonprofit organization towards being a, a trading social enterprise mm-hmm. so you know, why is that change so difficult and challenging and it is mm-hmm. and one of the reasons is that well change any change, is, is always difficult for people in actual fact it's very mm-hmm. emotional and links into to a lot of our emotions yeah. but then on top of that the traditional mindset here in South Africa as well as globally was that non-profits and business principles didn't go together. Mm. So there's been a very traditional splitting through history of the private, the public and the non-profit um, sectors so that it became almost inconceivable that organizations which exist to do social good could also be profitable. And so we're now, also, we're now seeing a merging and a blending of these principles, and we recognize that um, actually we can achieve positive social impact at the same time as creating a, po- a profitable business, and that's mm-hmm. really what social enterprise is all about. So... But nonetheless, if you want to go towards that that blend, if you like, and you've come from a very donor driven, you know, traditional nonprofit mindset, that can be quite a leap, you know, for the board, for the leadership of the organization, for staff, for volunteers, for for anybody involved, even beneficiaries. Mm. Um, and, in addition, you know sometimes, as with any new change process, we need to learn new skills. Yeah. so for nonprofit organizations, sometimes we don't have the business skills there because actually that's been something completely different mm. to to what we've been doing in the past. so there also becomes a, a you know an opportunity and a need if you like to to develop those business skills or become more business minded which can be tricky yeah. um, for change and yeah. changes changes involves Different phases. Mm-hmm. So the first phase of any change is that we have to let go of what went before. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And sometimes we don't spend enough time doing that. In fact, um, and part of that will also be about valuing and recognizing how important the work was that we did before. So just because we're moving from donor dependency towards income generation, it doesn't mean that the work that we were doing previously, which was donor funded, was not great. Yeah. You know. And. Um, it's just that we've come to a particular point in time where we need to change that model. So there's something in there about needing to really celebrate what's gone on in the past and, um, and really say goodbye to what's gone on in the past yeah. before we can move on towards our transition towards the future. Yeah. If you're going to go through
1: a, a major shift in your organization, you really should, you know, take the time to reflect and really consider, you know, where you're going, how you're going to do it, how you're going to ensure that everybody is with you in mm. the change process. Right. It's It's not an easy task to do, as you said. So how then does the academy, you know, tackle this what kind of programs do you offer to help organizations going through such a process sure yeah.
2: well we recognize that leadership in general is absolutely critical for creating resilient strong organizations going forward mm-hmm. so that's why you know, a lot of our programs are focused on leadership mm-hmm. and we offer a uh, Six-day and twelve-day leadership programs, which basically take uh, take those leaders on a personal journey, in order for them to really understand, you know, what are my personal strengths, what do I bring to the table, what is my personal purpose, yeah. and how can I, you know, use that for the benefit of my organization. Um, and it really helps people. It's a learning journey yeah. for people um, to really do that reflection, discover things about themselves, in order to be able to take their organization forward. And as regards, um, you know, change, and you, you touched there on, on being and bringing people with you. You know, that's one of the most critical parts of, of change, really, is that actually, although often we need a champion for change within an organization. So let's think about SAVE Act, for example, um, based up in KwaZulu-Natal. They're a nonprofit organization. They're promoting and supporting the existence of savings and credits groups as a simple tool against poverty. Um, and they're looking now at how they can grow their income streams. And they've appointed someone to take the role of social enterprise champion there. Oh, nice. And, and, that, mm. and that's great. And, yeah. and, and we see the same thing in, in Cape Town. There's a, an organization called The Carpenter Shop. They're doing much more around social enterprise um, now than they previously have been doing. They're, they're, um, they're doing some work uh, with, a, with a car wash, for example, supporting entrepreneurs. Mm. Um, and they, again, have got a social enterprise champion. And, and that's really important to, for a nonprofit organization to say, actually, we need to build in the capacity to be able to lead this change. Mm. But it can not only be driven by that individual yeah. because change needs to be co-created. Mm-hmm. That's one of the key principles of change. How can we um, actually bring the board other stakeholders with us so that it it, so that people feel involved and are involved and are able to create the new future of that organization together yeah so we would say that yes you need to have a champion but co-creation is is absolutely critical within change as well okay zoe i'm going to give you an opportunity
1: just to share with us what Ikamba youth is all about what's the work that you guys do
3: Like fundamentally um, it's an after school tutoring program so we run after school tutoring for high school youth grades 8 to 12 and it's at uh, libraries, schools, community centres, kids come along kids, they're teenagers and they commit to come 75% of the time so they actually sign up to a program and they're in this program from sometimes grade 8 or 9 and all the way through to grade 12 Um, but at least in the program for two years because we don't take grade 12s on, they come in grade 11 and they get help from volunteer tutors. So tutors come, they bring, the learners bring their homework they're struggling with and tutors sort of facilitate learning with them. It's not so much teaching but it's really tutoring in small groups. So it's like one to five Mm -hmm. um, tutor, learner tutor ratio. And it seems to have been, I mean they're self selecting kids, there's no academic requirement um, to be part so we can get kids joining with code two in maths but also those code six in math. And the change has been yeah, unprecedented really we've been quite shocked I mean it's been going since 2003 um, unofficially started with 15 learners on a Saturday morning Um, we're now working with over 2,000 learners across the country we've put 870 learners um, matrics have graduated uh, matriculated Mm The impact has been huge. I mean, 87% of um, our last six cohorts, I think, have passed metric, which when compared to national uh, averages, and particularly when compared to those feeder school averages, is yeah significantly more. And sort of 68%, I think, have actually gotten to tertiary. So, I mean, that's a huge uh, yeah, increase um, in terms of national averages. So something we're doing is working. Um, oh, yeah. And we've actually spent the last couple of years trying to work out what it is that is working. I mean, actually, probably more than a couple of years. We had a our first evaluation was done in 2012, I think it was, 2011-12, which looked at sort of what is happening here with these learners to... Caused this kind of impact, yeah. and um, we have distilled it down a little bit to various elements of the model, which being the sort of seventy five percent attendance, this kind of one to five, you know, you get more individualized attention, um, and yeah. you. I think it's also that um, mindset shift in itself. It's a very value based organisation, and those values kind of permeate from national sort of level, like the director, down to kind of the anyone working at the branch, interns, learners, and. I think that's quite important. There's this kind of, um, yeah, mindset of, of behaving in a certain way and approaching your, you know, it's, it builds a culture of learning, essentially, yeah. rather than the kind of this thing is done in this exact way. It's more that there's a culture, culture. there that supports learning, which yeah, uh, mm-hmm. has these bigger, bigger impact gains.
1: And in order to build that culture, obviously, you know, the people working for you and, you know, all stakeholders involved are key. What I've heard from you so far is, you know, you have your learners and you have your tutors. But in terms of your organisational structure, who else is involved at Incomber?
3: Cool. So each branch, so we've got 14 branches now across five provinces, and each branch is manned by two staff. Mm-hmm. And then, and couple where there's huge learner numbers, and there's uh, usually a third additional staff member. And then we've got so then there's so we manage by committee basically. So there's that's the branch, and then we've got a regional committee level. Mm-hmm. So each region has a district, or each district has a, a district manager. And then we have like the national team and national committee, and there's representatives from each of the, the branches and the regional. Teams at that management, at the national committee. And then the national committee itself has, has grown hugely in the last you know, few years, actually. Because it started very much, it was sort of the director and the regional committee and then a few other sort of admin bits. We now have kind of actually got the skills in the HR and finance and um, internal communications. And um, my role is a kind of like sub-department almost, um, which is community collaboration. So we're looking at how we can work with other after school programs and organizations Mm. to help them run after school programs um that have impact basically so yeah it's kind of a big i mean there's 50 i think 54 at the last count um staff at the moment and it's quite tricky because it is geographically spread i mean you know we only get together once a year as a whole team and even that at the moment with them think can we get 54 people all in one place in this um so it is it's it's been interesting to try and like how to keep that culture and keep that when there are so many people involved and so many stakeholders and 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 we i mean we have pretty good staff retention but there's always turnover like any um, organizational company and to keep you know people engaged and know what they're doing when they're running a branch in Joza and Grahamstown. Yeah. It's been it's been quite an interesting, uh, yeah, process.
1: I mean, uh-huh. yes, that's why I'm asking because then I would think that you would have to, you know, ensure that there's buy-in from all these different um, moving parts and different individuals that are involved. The tutors play quite a large role, I would assume. Is there a criteria in selecting your tutors? Um, You know, do you evaluate, I don't know, their mindset? And how can you evaluate somebody's mindset? I mean, in an interview situation, if that's how you go about it.
3: Yeah, it's actually a very interesting point. I mean, I think that's something that we are getting better at. It's very difficult to to understand, like, who, you know, Rachel comes along and wants to volunteer. Like, are you going to be a good volunteer? Are you going to be a good tutor? Have you got the correct mindset? And I think we've we've really just done it through, you know, going on gut, I guess, you know, yeah. like, and, and inviting people. I think there's a, you have to have a show of, of willing, you know, rather than, I mean, we get the, the number of volunteers that kind of sign up to want to volunteer versus the number that actually start coming and then versus the number that actually are committed. Um, you know, it lessens as it goes. Yeah. And I think it's very quick to recognize a good tutor, somebody who really kind of is driven from a place of, I don't know, altruism, whatever. It's just like a real desire to create change rather than, you know, to earn money or to um, put it on your CV or whatever the other, if there's a genuine desire to create change, I think that's the kind of key thing, but it's very difficult to, yeah see yeah, that in yeah. somebody we've been able to in the last year probably get better at the orientation of tutors mm-hmm. so and again that's something that's had to have been improved as we've grown because that buy-in from tutors and learners happens much more easily when there's a small it's a small group but when a tutor's joining up in Hukeng in northwest and doesn't have the connection to this wider family of Gambia youth it's how do you Kind of, yeah. Get that buy-in and and nurture that relationship in a way that kind of then speaks into the the kind of vision of the organization.
1: Yeah, um, Rachel, you spoke um a lot about you know the importance of leaders in in driving this process, right? Are there some practical tools that you know leaders can take for having been through maybe one of your programs that you can say, okay, we've spoken about your personal journey and like what your personal purpose is and how that plays into your organisation. Linking into what I was just speaking to Zoe about, about getting that buy-in, You know, how do you coach them through that to encourage their, their people to, to buy into the new process?
2: A lot of this is around leadership style and recognising which leadership styles you are currently as a leader using and you're finding you know works with people and which leadership styles you need to develop because we recognise that there's not one particular leadership style which works for everybody, of course and yeah. for every situation so it's recognizing that it's almost like you've got to take a, a different a different style for every every different every different situation so you know one of the things that we do is that we help people to become a bit more conscious about the leadership styles that they're currently using and mm-hmm. what they feel most comfortable least comfortable and what that you know what, what they would most like to develop so we typically recognize that there are there are six leadership styles which are in existence amongst most people and we use things like questionnaires etc to, to help people to really identify um, and to develop on those. And then, of course, it's not just about the leader; it's about the team and who's mm-hmm. within that team. So there's a lot about actually how do you fit together and how do you complement each other. Yeah. So if we look at a, a social entrepreneur, for example, then we could say usually they fit into one of three categories. They're either an innovator. Mm. Okay, so innovators are you know great at imagining, at coming up with new ideas. They're great dreamers. You know, they've got some some. You know, can be very charismatic, but they can also be be bored quite easily if you like and you know dive into new ideas and then once that's you know, brought to fruition they want to move on to the next thing so extremely useful for you know in an, an entrepreneurial environment to create those new ideas so you're either an innovator or you're an entrepreneur. So entrepreneurs are, are implementers, basically. They take the idea from the innovator and they boldly put it into place. They implement it into an organization. And, and they build it into successful businesses, effectively, mm. successful enterprises. But entrepreneurs, they want change, they want growth, they're risk-taking, et So you So know, when it gets to a point where an organization needs stability, et cetera, then that's not their strong point. Yeah. Okay. So, so you're either an innovator or you're an entrepreneur or you're a manager. Mm-hmm. And so managers are people who basically protect and maintain things. <laughs> yeah. So they make sure that, you know, that, that an enterprise um, is looking after its finances, it's looking after its people, um, is looking after its sales, etc. cetera. Um, and, of course, we you know, they create systems, they create policies, which are important when you get to that kind of growth phase, if you like, of, of an enterprise. So and not, they don't tend to be risk takers. Mm. So that's fine, but it's about recognizing what you are. Are you an innovator? Are you an entrepreneur? Are you a manager? No. And are there others around you within the organization who take those other roles? Mm. And sometimes that can be difficult because we're looking at somebody who's completely different from us but actually recognizing that although they're so different and their approach is so different they bring real value to the organization and together we can lead that organization forward so um, mm-hmm. I would say it's a lot about you know certainly our, our programs are encouraging people to understand who they are and um, but also to understand who others are and what their contribution contribution is as well.
3: I think that was one of the interesting things of sort of Joy, the director, co-founder, and director of a can for Youth. I think that shift. I saw that shift even in her of being this sort of leading through inspiration, and you know, buy into this vision. To I mean, that's still there, but she's had to really shift to to be a manager, and and that mm-hmm. balance. And I think the ideal change leader is somebody who actually uses all of those leadership styles. Or mm-hmm. you know, you can be innovative, you can be entrepreneurial, and you can be managerial when it is needed Mm -hmm, you know Mm -hmm. Um, and and I think we the another interesting thing in terms of like a practical process or system putting in place is the sort of performance management aspect so originally when even when um, so it started in Western Cape and then there was in Khateng and KZN two just willing volunteers essentially decided we want to set up a branch here we want to do this and they were driven by passion and a will to create change, which was kind of almost easier to manage than now it becomes a job. And you kind of have to put these kind of quite more regimented performance management systems in place Mm -hmm. and and keeping the balance between, okay, well, there's this regimented performance management that you have to do these things, but also be inspired to do these things. And it's, yeah, I think it's having all of those um, and knowing when to use them I think is key of change leadership
2: Mm. and it's interesting when you when you look at organizations who grow who grow in that way and say well actually how can we retain the culture of who we are but also having to put in place the structures so we don't if we're a really innovative you know youth-centered organization we don't necessarily want to be creating lots of administration or hierarchy Mm. Mm. but actually we need to create some kind of approach if you like that will be able to enable our organization to grow and to scale without losing the essence of who we are Yeah,
3: totally. And it it comes back to that thing you said at the beginning of this kind of conflict between business principles. And I mean, I remember when, you know, first I was all very like, no, we don't need business principles and policies. (laughs) That's like, you know, for the business world, we're a non-profit, we're doing this thing. But it's, you know, really helped the organization be able to be more efficient at the next level by having these, I mean, it's made it a little bit more bureaucratic and that has, Mm -hmm. in that time, slowed things down. Mm -hmm. And again, I think a change leader needs to be able to, work within that but yeah i think ultimately it has like positioned us in a more you know we've become more efficient as a result of these policies and processes and things
1: (laughs) because at the end of the day i mean as inspired and passionate people are right that's not going to ensure that the organization is running on a day-to-day so then often what people turn to is the vision for the organisation, the mm-hmm. vision for the enterprise or business. What is Ikumda's vision? And is it like a mantra? Do you guys just chant, just chant it in chant, the morning work?
3: <laughs> no, well, interestingly... I think we're more driven by values than vision. Mm. So we do have a vision. I mean, the, the, there's the vision, um, 2030, which is our vision to see by 2030 that all learners who have started in grade one in 2018 matriculate, um, mm. all of them. So that's about a million learners or so. So we're on a, a big mission and they, they not only matriculate, but they're able to access a post-school opportunity of their choice. And that puts them on a path to earn a dignified living. That's, you know, this sort of overarching vision, but it's almost, so intangible in a way that um i do feel that we're more um, value-based we have five core values mm. that drive the organization so just quickly is of responsibility for self and others so that real sense of kind of doing something for yourself but also you know reaching out and helping your peer collaboration and peer-to-peer support commitment to impact through democratic processes openness and integrity and then paying it forward and those values were very I mean they're also even in sort of the the formal systems of performance management it's also you're assessed on like how well are you actually exemplifying the behaviors that we want to see in these learners and we want to see in um, the citizens of South Africa and I mean I think you can see it in the program level of the cultural responsibility of self and others is this idea of kind of each one teach one and and playing on that and you know it's not about you just coming along getting what you need and going it's about you being part of a bigger bigger thing and a bigger change Um, so I think that drives us yeah more than than vision but buy into those values is equally as important as buy into to a vision
1: I like that you mentioned that sometimes visions can be like so intangible Mm. Um, and it's nice to have you know something to to measure yourself against something to guide you know one way we're going with this if you are going through a new change process but also for each individual to be able to to look at you know what the core values are and say how am I adding to this I think I think that's that's
2: amazing I think you know as concerns change leadership, and mm-hmm. um, then we would say that just remember th- three C's, if you like, around change leadership. Mm-hmm. So the first one is around clarity. So this is linking into what you're saying there about vision and values. So mm-hmm. you know, make sure that everybody has real clarity about the vision. Where are you working towards? And you know, what are the values mm-hmm. of that organisation? And don't assume that just because you know that everybody knows. So yeah. You know, we have to be very um, you know conscious to be communicating that at all times. The second one is co-create. So we, we talked about that earlier. So you're co-creating change. Yeah, we we make sure that people are involved right from the beginning. From a non-profit perspective, if you're if you're if you're transitioning towards social enterprise, your board has to have buy-in. If the board mm. doesn't buy-in, then then really you mm. know you, you can't you can't do anything with it. But yeah. that's true for. All your staff, volunteers, let's co-create the change. It's not just about some one person's vision, it's about how can we all create what we the, the new tomorrow, if you like. Mm-hmm. And the third one is around contribution. So being clear about what is everybody's contribution within that change process um, as well, so that I know what I need to do in order to move the organisation forward.
3: Just add, and I think it links back to what you actually said at the beginning, Rachel, about being able to let go. So I think mm-hmm. it's being, OK, there's, there's a life cycle to an organisation and, and change is yeah it's this constant yeah, it's change um, so being okay where you're at and mm-hmm. and meeting that responding to that and not being attached to what it was I think is is key mm-hmm. um, and then the other the other point guess around change is so we recently I had a great analogy of organizations that kind of pack themselves or build this engine of change so you have all these mechanisms for change and all these tools in place but you're kind of basically putting a v8 engine in a mini so you're kind of you can get all these kind of fancy policies and everything but unless that's actually translated into on the ground or into action and implementation Mm -hmm. it's not and i think that 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 kind of the ability of a change leader to kind of do both to have these business principles and, and manage get the management tools in place but then that can go and implement on the ground I think is key to good change leadership
0: Those were some great insights from Hub Manager at the Social Enterprise Academy Rachel Milson as well as Zoe Mann Community Coordinator at Ikumva Youth So what, we, what should we be taking away as learnings from their experiences?
1: I think the key thing that came out of the session is that leaders are pivotal to the change process As an NPO moving towards the social enterprise model, leaders have to manage the process well. They have to come to an understanding of themselves, their leadership style, and how it impacts those that they work with. They have to walk their employees through the process, Mm -hmm. and leaders must ensure to build an organizational culture that will drive the change further and helping to adjust people's mindsets along the way. Mm -hmm.
0: It's hard work, but it can be done. Be sure to download our next episode in the series, Social Enterprise 101, brought to you by the Bertha Center for Social Innovation and Entrepreneurship and Prime Media Broadcasting. We'll be talking pathways to funding, those principles of marketing and finance that are essential to the successful running of a social enterprise. From me, Swangile Mafu and Pamemo thanks for listening and remember to tweet us at Bertha Center.